Hey, and welcome to Too Much. I'm Jess. And I'm Mandy. As ethical vegan women, the word extreme is often used to describe us. And honestly, sometimes it feels overwhelming to care so much about so many different things. So we created this show to talk about anything and everything we want, from veganism and other world issues, to feminism and all the controversial topics in between. This is a space for us to be exactly who we are, which for most is probably too much. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23. Today, we're talking about why we don't drink. And I got the idea to make some polls on the podcast Instagram, and naturally, you guys delivered. And just a heads up, we will be talking about addiction and whatnot. So if that's something you don't want to hear, maybe listen to a different episode. (laughs) Because Jess and I both don't drink. We both don't do drugs or smoke weed. As far as I know, you don't do any of that right I don't (laughs) actually the biggest stoner ever (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we just kind of wanted to talk about why we both kind of have different reasonings but we both think it's something super important to talk about we both think at least I don't want to speak for Jess but I'm pretty sure we're on the same page in terms of drinking alcohol all the time is very normalized I just think it needs to be acknowledged and disclaimer also we're not judging anybody that's another problem that comes with when you choose to not drink i think everybody else who does drink always thinks that non-drinkers are judging them and we're not at all like everybody can handle what they can handle and some people can't and everybody is entitled to do whatever they want or whatever they're comfortable with this is just our experiences and why it's not something we choose to partake in Mm -hmm. I've also been on both sides of the spectrum too, so I can relate to both, which is really interesting. So I can't judge anyone, nor would I, because I was there, and now I'm not, so I can like speak on why that is. That's something we should clarify too. Jess has used to drink, and now she doesn't, and I never really have. I've had like a couple coolers in my grad year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the end of it. Hard. <laughs> But I, I don't drink. When when I tell people this, they have to clarify. Well, a lot of people don't understand that when I say I don't drink, it means like I never drink, I never will. People will say like not even just one or not even on special occasions. It's like, no, I just don't. And it's I think that's a problem in itself that people need to acknowledge like some people can't even wrap their head around the fact that people don't drink alcohol. It's almost like veganism in a way. It's like this cult experience. Like if you're a meat eater, you're allowed in the club. But if you choose to do something that's better for your health, better ethically or morally, then you're sort of on the outskirts. You're not really accepted. It's not the status quo. Okay, so we're going to get into the answers on the polls. The first question was, do you drink alcohol, obviously? 70% said yes, 30% said no. Honestly, that's more non-drinkers than I thought, but what I've also found being in the vegan community, a lot of vegans don't drink and i wonder why that is like when i host the meetups nobody ever brings alcohol and it's never something i have to imply like guys don't bring alcohol this isn't going to be a drinking thing nobody just nobody ever does and i don't know why do you think that is do you think we're just more conscious of our health yeah i think so i think we're kind of on that next level of just a lot of self-awareness and making really critical choices and healthy choices for ourselves. I think so. I think everyone who's kind of on that next level of really taking care of what's going inside their body, it makes sense to me that they kind of go hand in hand. Like you're least, you're less likely to drink and do drugs and maybe like engage in any kind of risky behavior if you're eating vegan or eating really clean or you know, living a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it. I also think Jess is more of a healthy vegan. I'm definitely not. (laughs) You know, health doesn't really 
factor into it for me but i think because we're all compassionate people who are you like you said very self-aware we want to live closest to our morals as possible obviously that's when it comes to animals we don't want to eat animals because we love them but i think we i imagine a lot of us also have that kind of mindset where like for me i don't like having to take something so i can like endure a situation better because then i just feel like i'm not being me and i'm sure maybe that's kind of where the moral thing comes in for me and i'm sure a lot of other maybe ethical vegans feel that way as well i'll get into it more but that's one of the main reasons i didn't start drinking for the longest time because i couldn't wrap my hand around altering my state of mind and that's like you know that's a really complicated topic like you've got cannabis and you've got other like hallucinogens that are more natural and less synthetic than alcohol and hard drugs. Yeah, I didn't want to not be myself and I didn't want to feel like I had to drink to have fun ever. Like I knew someone in high school who straight up said like I need to drink to have a good time and that's just really really sad to me. Not that I pity people who drink, not that it's immoral or dirty or any of these things, like we're not implying that but we're kind of like digging at the topic, you know? We're really getting into like, why do we drink? And why is it weird to not drink? And it's just so cultural. It's crazy. I'd actually like to look into where it started, like where drinking originated and why it's become such a huge... Because like you think of Christmas and all these holidays that we have, big gatherings, large gatherings, people celebrate with like a cigar and a glass of wine. We really like to indulge in these behaviors that are inherently harmful, but we use them to be celebratory is just very it's interesting when you bring the holidays into it it's kind of ironic that it's a time where we want to be around loved ones and spend happy times with loved ones everyone needs to drink to get through it (laughs) well yes that that too for sure for me as someone who doesn't drink i kind of dread going to any kind of these things where i know people are going to be drinking because sometimes that is where i don't enjoy somebody's presence when they're drinking (laughs) yeah it just doesn't make much sense totally everyone gets louder and more obnoxious and um next question is do you do drugs slash smoke weed 46 percent said yes 54 percent said no i don't want to sound judgy at all i don't see anything wrong with smoking weed i don't see anything wrong with taking cbd you know i think a lot of people need to smoke weed or take weed i sound like such a <laughs> take, take the weed inject the weed i think people need to use it for lots of mental health reasons and whatnot even pain reasons i know even women who like we were talking about last week struggle with endometriosis they find weed really helps the pain go down so like whatever i don't see anything wrong with it The only thing I would say is maybe when it becomes a problem is when you feel like you always have to smoke it. But what do I know also? Because (laughs) I've never been in that position. You know, I do hear people wishing they smoked weed less because it makes them really unmotivated. No judgment. There's definitely a lot of different ways to use cannabis. Like, I was just listening to this really cool episode, a podcast episode on cannabis and maybe I'll actually link it because it was very informative and there was a woman who's sort of an expert on cannabis who's from Vancouver and she was talking about how at the end of the day it's a plant and we're all about plants on this podcast and it's been really heavily stigmatized only in the last century and I'm assuming it's because pharmaceutical companies want us to use pharmaceuticals and medications rather than use anything natural because they want to keep us sick so they can profit off of us. (laughs) I actually had this epiphany last night. Um, If any of you have studied business or you've heard of the lifetime customer value, that's sort of what Big Pharma is all about. They're like, how sick can I make this person over the course of their lifetime that I can keep profiting off of them and all the pills and medications that they're going to take for their entire lifetime? Cannabis is really interesting because it's been so stigmatized, but it's really natural. And there are tons of people who are high-functioning and productive and motivated individuals who use cannabis every single day. But then you get the kind of stoner stereotype, which I've seen people who are like that, who are burnt out. You know, that's one way to use it. And a lot of people who are younger 
whose frontal lobes literally haven't developed, they're just using it to get really stoned and watch movies with their friends, and like, cool, whatever, but there are people who are using it, yeah, for pain, or to relax and you know yeah like i have cbd oil for anxiety and i'm looking into cannabis for more pain especially because i want to get my iud out i'm gonna be high as a kite guys (laughs) like straight up on the table put my legs up i'm ready like yeah no very great points i think there's definitely a lot of benefits and i think it's funny yeah it is stigmatized and i remember everyone when we were younger saying that don't smoke weed it's the gateway drug but so many people smoke weed and they have been fine (laughs) it also i'm sure depends on you know if you have an addictive personality and stuff but yeah i i really don't see anything wrong with it no and they rope weed in with like all of the harder drugs and alcohol as if it's comparable at all like cocaine and crystal meth the fact that alcohol is legal and you can buy it in grocery stores in the states but cannabis is like ooh, like you can only get it at certain locations and if you get caught with cannabis in your house you can get like 25 years in prison it's ridiculous ridiculous because and same with cigarettes they're available everywhere and they're more harmful i would say and you don't even get anything out of it (laughs) no you can die from cigarettes and alcohol you no one's ever died from using cannabis ever yeah the restrictions are on the wrong substance that's for sure we had a question box that said if you do not drink why and these are all the responses and we got a lot somebody said it contributes to my anxiety which is already bad enough someone said i realized i was only drinking to become someone i'm not loud talkative etc so i stopped and for health reasons breast cancer risk etc it's rarely talked about or taught to younger people i think that's real big of someone when they've been drinking and they realize that because honestly isn't that why everybody drinks or most people it's so you can fit into the social norm It's so you can be less anxious in social situations. It's so you can be more of like a social butterfly and more outgoing. I feel like that's the only reason everybody drinks. And I'm sure I just don't get it because I've never drank and I've never been in those social situations. But I I just don't really understand why people can't see that. It's hard too because it really does accelerate your experience and it makes you have debatable but people feel like it makes them have a lot more fun i think you can have a ton of fun without it but if everyone around you is drinking then you're not gonna have as much fun so then you feel like you have to also take part in it like for me i started drinking when i started going out and dancing and partying with friends and I was really tired of being the only one who wasn't drinking because you're just so out of the loop. You're just not there with everyone else on the same level. I just started one day and I was like, this is great. Like, this is so fun. (laughs) And, you know, I'm being careful here because I don't want anyone to, like, try alcohol because it's so fun. But but that's why, um, you know, it loosens you up like you can dance like crazy not like you can't when you're not drunk but yeah it's really a lot easier to have a really fun loose night with your friends you're just laughing like crazy and you're being stupid and you're having the best time ever like even like earls like i know so many people that just get blasted at earls that's why it's so insidious because you have such a good time and then it's really poisoning your liver at the same time somebody said it's not for me i can't find enjoyment in not oh i think she typed this wrong this is what she said it's not for me i can't find enjoyment in non-alcoholic drinks and prefer to be sober but i think she meant to say she can find enjoyment in non-alcoholic drinks someone said ptsd that's it (laughs) somebody said i'm not into the idea of messing up my brain and not being in control of my body or mind or speech and that was probably the most common one people hate the idea of being out of control and that's that's why i choose to never drink that just sounds so scary to me somebody said don't feel the need to put something into my body to have fun plus it's not healthy and expensive somebody said i don't like the taste and that's another thing too like when i tried those mike's hard lemonades once in my life i was like why wouldn't i just drink normal lemonade like it tastes way better (laughs) 
Someone said, I drank a lot in my early 20s. It was rough on the body and the mind. Someone said, find no value in it. Wasted calories, wasted money. I just had a very disturbing memory. And I remember looking up how many calories were in bananas and vodka. Because I wanted to count my calories, roughly. Like, that is how just disgusting diet culture is. Like, you have to count the calories. You feel like you have to count the calories in everything you consume. I've totally forgot about this. But yeah, I would count, like, how many shots I had. And then I would, like, worry that I was drinking too much because of calories. Like, that's not a substitute. That's not a meal substitute. We think if it's taking up our daily calorie intake, like, we feel like we can't eat food because we're going to drink later. And that's so bad. That is such a thing, too. Like, I have never experienced something like this where girls will just literally not eat all day. Like, they will not eat. And then they'll drink themselves to death at night. So you can spend less on alcohol because you're getting more drunk if there's nothing in your system. Oh my god, we're teaching girls to just not eat. Someone said used it as a coping mechanism for many years. Finally said no more for my mental health. Good for you. Someone else said I'm currently at 30 days. It messes with my mental health and heart condition. Also good for you. Someone else said, not having control over my body awareness scares me. Somebody says, severe quote-unquote allergy that causes me to vomit uncontrollably for days. <laughs> Someone else said, don't like who I am when I'm drunk and I'm on meds that don't tolerate alcohol. Someone said, my body recognizes its poison and doesn't keep it down. I can't even do a shot. Someone said, it makes my stomach bloat up huge. This is a two-parter. Someone said, I had a really bad relationship with it a couple years couple years ago that led to my rock bottom realized for me personally it doesn't bring any benefits at all and I just don't need it in my life that's so amazing to me that people can because I chose to never really be involved with that because I knew once you're in I imagine it'd be very hard to get out it's not even whether or not you are actually addicted quote-unquote you've made friends who all drink and you do this every week and you look like the fucking loser if you stop or they'll try to pressure you to continue to do it and then you, you know, just keep doing that on and on and on. You just think, oh, I'll try to stop next week and then your friends go out again and it just seems way more difficult. Like, I don't even have that experience because I never really started, therefore I never really surrounded myself with people who do those kinds of things and I feel like it'd just be so difficult with the peer pressure and whatnot. It's almost like you can't stop drinking heavily until you outgrow the party and the clubbing scenes, but some people don't leave that scene for a long time. So it's like, when does it end? For me, it ended right before I finished university but that is highly unusual like most people drink before they get into university all throughout university and then after university the next poll question was non-drinkers do you sometimes wish you did drink 35 percent yes 65 percent no what would you say jess i said no i said yes well there's parts of me that that miss like the old me like dancing but it's mostly i miss the good times with friends and I miss dancing. It's not so much that I miss guzzling vodka or um, getting sick at a Christmas party. It's more about the kind of nostalgia and the, the times that come with the alcohol. Like alcohol is very, like you need context for alcohol. If you're just drinking by yourself, it's not very happy times. But if you're surrounded by friends and you're having the best time and then on top of that you're drinking you're gonna associate alcohol with good times for me yeah I didn't drink much on my own I'd have like a glass of wine maybe every once in a blue moon but I only ever drank when I was out with friends and like partying or dancing and so I miss that aspect but I don't miss consuming alcohol well I said yes I do sometimes wish I drank because there's many situations where you kind of feel like the outcast for not drinking. My friends from high school used to party and drink a lot and I just would never go. You know, they'd all be hanging out and I just wouldn't go and I'd feel like such a loser. And it's like the odd time you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go anyways, even though I don't drink. They always have to 
kind of make some big deal about it and put you on the spot for not drinking. And it's like, why? Like, you're all drinking. You're all having a good time. Why do you need to, like, suck me into this too? I can have a good time without this as long as you stop questioning me about it. I think it's just a reflection of their insecurities, but they kind of beat you up about it and and make you feel like a loser for it. And you're also always, always expected to be the designated driver. And it's so annoying because it's like, if I'm not gonna involve myself in this situation, why why are you just like using me at this point, you know? And it's like, of course I'm down to get people home safely, but it's completely expected of you. And I think it's just rude and inconsiderate. People like that think that we have some kind of complex going on where we think we're better than them or something. And I've never thought that, but it's like they're trying to pull you down to their level. Not that, like, if you drink, you're lesser than. Like, obviously you guys know that whatever I say, I'm not, like, insinuating something mean. Yeah, it's like they're trying to pull you down to their level and they would be more comfortable if you were drinking. It's not about you at all. It's like, this person is judging us, sitting there, she thinks she's better than us, she's being healthy, you know, she's sticking to her values and sticking to her guns and we don't like that we have to bring her down to where we are so that we feel comfortable oh yeah i've had so i'll get into it but i've had so many times in my life where that's the case like i too have felt left out so many times um like my friends will be like not anymore but when i was in university my friends would be smoking together at night or drinking together and that's also when they got the closest. I would always be the one who showed up the next day and they would tell me all of their fun, hilarious stories from the night before and I felt so left out because when everyone was intoxicated or under the influence of something, that's when they would all have like the best times and get really close and just be goofy together and you know, watch movies high and play strip poker and all this stuff that I was never a part of. And it made me feel super left out and it made me feel like I wasn't as close to my friends. Like I was just slightly out of the circle a bit and that sucked so much, but I couldn't, if I went, I knew I wouldn't have fun. So I may as well just stay home and make myself a pizza and watch friends by myself like I'm not gonna enjoy being there and I'm not gonna enjoy hearing the stories the next day so you kind of just have to pick your poison I guess no pun intended yeah and I think it's especially common right after high school because that's when everyone starts really partying I think and and you still have your old friends but you're different now and and you can't make new friends and we've kind of gone over all that before but it makes you feel really left out sometimes question Ooh, we had a tie drinkers do you sometimes wish you didn't drink 50% yes 50% no do you know someone who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction 89% said yes and 11% said no. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, why is it still so stigmatized? If you are not someone who's addicted to drugs, you know someone who's addicted to drugs. And yet we are still acting like people who are addicted to drugs are like not human. I wonder if the 11% are like politicians and people in power who are making, who are more powerful and who are making rules about all of this, or if they are part of the 89% who know people. Because I just imagine that people who live such sheltered lives, like white, privileged, rich people, who have the perfect family and nothing ever goes wrong, I feel like those are the lawmakers. Like, those are the policymakers. Those are the people who perpetuate the stigma around cannabis and addiction and all of that like who is it who is perpetuating this because yeah we all know someone who has some form of addiction and yet we're still society still treats addiction so badly like those people are lesser than also hot take it's because if you're not trading your labor for capitalism you're not valued in society so if you're homeless or if you're addicted and you're on the streets and you're not contributing to society you're not as 
valuable as another person because we're all just living to work. I was actually surprised how many people knew someone who is addicted to drugs because I'm a child of somebody who is addicted to drugs and growing up in elementary school and middle school it felt like I was the only person going through this and everybody else had a perfect family and I'd go over to all my friends houses and mom and dad would be there and everything would be like normal and then I'd be scared to have friends over because they would question like my family dynamic. The fact that 89% said yes we know someone who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction just means that the 11% are the ones who feel like they have this entitled opinion. They're the ones who are always talking about it. When I go on Facebook in the Chilliwack group or Chilliwack Progress and I see Chilliwack Progress will share a new story about how addiction cases are rising or overdose cases are rising because of the pandemic. The comments are appalling. People talking about people who are addicted to drugs like I said like they're not human it's amazing that 89% of us feel like scared to break that and scared to say actually you don't know what the fuck someone's going through you see that houseless person on the street you don't know whose kid that is whose mom that is whose cousin sister that is people just act like they just dropped on the face of the earth like they don't belong to anybody i just wish like that 89 percent i hope after listening to this that maybe you will feel encouraged to break that stigma and talk more about it because it's amazing that we all know some yet we're all still so scared to talk about it. I never ever thought I'm going to be sharing basically my whole story with addiction that runs in my family and I, I'm such an open honest person online and I seriously never thought I would share about it because I thought it might be quote-unquote disrespectful. I didn't want to make people uncomfortable. I didn't want my family to think, oh you shouldn't be talking about that and I think just continuing to do that is just me holding on to that stigma and contributing to it and I don't want to do that anymore. Next question, have you ever thought you might have a drug slash alcohol problem? 32% said yes. 68% said no. And I thought that was also interesting that people have the self-awareness. I voted yes. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I definitely questioned it. When you're drinking as much as I did in my third year of university, I'm sure I questioned it. thought, hmm, is this getting out of hand, perhaps? Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't have the wherewithal to even acknowledge it because everybody else does it. And then the last question box was, what are your thoughts on addiction slash drinking slash doing drugs? Somebody said, my brother has been an addict most of my life. Someone said, addicts need more love, more support, and a lot less judgment. Lots of people said, addiction runs in my family. I'm not interested in whether or not I can withstand. And that's like in a nutshell why I don't drink or do drugs. Someone said it's a really slippery slope. It's not just a scare tactic. It really can destroy the user and others. Someone said all types of addiction are so common. It's so bizarre how stigmatized it is. Someone said you do you. As long as it's done safely and doesn't harm anyone, then go for it. Someone said, for me, drugs are a way to cope with mental illness when I'm not getting the treatment I need. I can't afford therapy, so I use psychedelics to deal with my repressed trauma and emotions. And this is, I've heard the same thing with psychedelics as I've heard with weed and whatnot. Helps a lot. Someone said, I work at a liquor store and it became obvious we have regulars, but it's like these people are highly functioning. It's just weird how normalized it is. Someone said addiction runs in my family, once again, so it always it's always something I have to keep in the back of my mind. <laughs> Somebody said, weed is awesome. <laughs> Somebody said, never bother trying even smoking weed because I know I'm the type to get addicted. Somebody said, addiction is hard and I don't believe that lifestyle is chosen. My aunt lost her life to her addictions. She was born with fetal alcohol syndrome, then adopted by my grandparents. She made it to 42 and was very loved. I'm very sorry about that. That's really sad. Someone said, addiction is something that scares me most in life. It's taken too many close ones from me. Somebody said, I feel like I depend on weed. I feel addicted. My friends don't support that, though. They encourage me. That's what we were just talking about, how it's so hard to get out of once you're in it, I'm sure. For some people, not everyone. Somebody said, It's a very difficult subject to discuss because there are many factors, including 
genetic predisposition, family pressure, peer pressure, mental health state, physical well-being. For example, for me, it's very hard in the struggle with mental health, and I use marijuana for my spine injury, and I have not fallen into addictive habits when I have worse days with my mental health. I wish question boxes would let people, like... (laughs) type more because sometimes it's so hard to make them out but thank you can always dm us yeah yeah always send us a dm if if there's not enough room um yeah and we love paragraphs <laughs> yeah and thank you everyone for sharing that was super nice i've definitely like i said been thinking about sharing what i've experienced with addiction within my family for a long time and I felt just a really big urge to lately I don't know why I think it's because of all this news with it was just recently like overdose awareness day and and we see the the cases of overdoses rising due to the pandemic so I think I'm just feeling more inclined to because I'm also seeing a lot of negativity spread around it so I've been thinking about it for a while and because you guys shared what you shared and gave us fabulous numbers for the polls i feel so much better and confident about it and know that there's no reason to be ashamed or scared because all of you have experienced something like this in some form so thank you everybody some of you really sent us some heartfelt dms and very sad stories and i'm sorry that we all have to go through this and this is kind of the world we live in but i'm very grateful that we all have each other at least (laughs) It really struck me how so many people responding to the question boxes said it's weird how normal it is. That's what stuck out to me because I always thought I was like a black sheep for thinking that it was so strange how normalized drinking was, but so many other people think the same way. And of course we don't hear from those people because again, our voices are kind of silenced by the industry and the mass amounts of people who are drinking and just I feel like whenever you've got two sides and one is just exponentially louder and more aggressive then the other side kind of gets shut down that was really shocking honestly no I I was shocked as well I definitely feel like I'm like the only person with that opinion a lot of the time so I'm glad lots of y'all are on the same page um okay so yeah I grew up in you know, a really secure, safe, really great family. And my parents were casual drinkers and are casual drinkers. I've never, ever seen my parents drunk, ever. Um, They sometimes have a drink with dinner or they'll crack open a beer in the summer, but it's never been, they never, ever heavily drank around me. And they've never used, like, drugs except for trying marijuana when they were younger and so I for some reason I grew up really opposing drugs and alcohol like hardcore I didn't know anyone else like me who was just like swore it off from the very beginning nope I'm never gonna drink nope I'm never gonna smoke weed I'm never gonna do any of that yeah we did dare in school and I was like I solemnly swear like obviously (laughs) I carried that with me for so long until like the second year of university like I didn't drink when I was legal I still waited and eventually yeah I got to this place in third in second and third year of university where I had already had peer pressure for so long from my friends like in first year of university it started like I said everyone was getting together without me and smoking at night and drinking and I wasn't involved and they would invite me sometimes but sometimes they didn't and they were actually pretty good about inviting me but I I didn't want to be there I didn't want to be around it eventually I started drinking in third year I think I finally just tried it and gave it a shot (laughs) pun intended I started drinking really heavily for about a year like I'm talking three or four five day benders weekly (laughs) like we would go from wednesday to sunday and then do it again starting thursday or friday like like it was outrageous i was going to parties and i was going dancing all the time we would do something like every single weekend and there were only a couple of times where i got so sick where i couldn't handle myself anymore and i was like pretty sick in the bathroom at a party or at a get together um but other than that i was drinking heavily but i wasn't out of control i 
was actually handled my alcohol really well and I would just drink enough to get like a buzz going or drink enough to be drunk but in control and so I never really went over my limit except for a couple of times. I mean I had a great time but it comes with a lot of consequences and something that I don't really talk about much but that I want more people to know is that I have like severe memory memory loss now. Severe memory loss. And before I started drinking, I had like my memory was sharp as a tack. So it just makes sense to me that I would have memory loss now because of my year of drinking. For instance, this morning in the shower, I washed my face and then right after I washed my face, I forgot that I washed my face. And I like went to pick up my cleanser again because I couldn't remember if I washed my face or not. Like it's quite bad and if I focus on it for too long, I'll probably just like cry. But I feel so bad for Ty. I'll like ask him if I just asked him something. Like I'll ask him something and then I'll forget instantly. And then I'll have to ask him if I asked him something. Do you find it's more short term or long term or both? Both. Like I can't remember much at all from when I was younger or in school except for a little random like I I do remember a lot from university but Ty and I started dating very end of my third year like I just finished third year of university so I was still drinking at this point when we were when we got together but I stopped drinking because miraculously I found someone who's never done drugs in his life, doesn't drink. I like took him to a few parties, you know, and I was drinking at like one of them, but then I just slowly stopped. So I'm really thankful to him. He never pressured me. He never insisted that I stop. He never tried to change me, but I just realized that it wasn't really the best and I was prioritizing him over partying. Yeah, I started to spend a lot more time with him, and I just slowly stopped. Where I was going with that is that I have a lot of trouble remembering our earliest moments together. We'll talk about, like, a date that we want went on really early on in the relationship or a time that we spent together, and I have to actually get him to, like, tell me about it because I can't remember. Wow. Do you find it's getting better since you haven't drank for a while, or do you feel like it's just the same? I feel like it's this, the same, if not getting worse. Yeah, so I just want to warn everyone that I don't know if this is manifested in anyone else, and I'd actually be super interested to know if anyone feels brave enough to message us or comfortable enough to email, message us, or, or just me. Because, yeah, this is really shitty, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, and um, quite a few people know that I struggle with IBS, and I have no doubt that that's because of a lot of rounds of antibiotics that I was on when I was younger, but I'm sure that a year of drinking and damaging my liver and intestines didn't help at all. Because when I went to my naturopath the very first time before I was even put on the severe diet that I went on, we just tested pretty much everything else in my body. So we tested my hormones and my organs before we even bothered with food because he was like, we need to get you kind of regulated. We need to get you to a healthier state first. My liver was in such a bad state. So I've been taking liver pills for like two years now for liver support. Not to mention your liver is low-key just incredible and it helps with everything. Like your liver can affect your mood. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is like the be-all end-all of organs. You know, I went through the whole severe diet. I'm, I'm much better than I was a year and a half ago, but yeah, it wasn't worth it. I would rather have my memory back and, and just have gone dancing sober, you know? I just want to warn people because it's horrible yeah so now I, I, again i'm also suffering from ibs which is pretty um prevalent in my life all the time and i never had it before so it just started kind of when i was getting together with ty and you know in the middle of third year university well what about now what's your life like now that you don't drink I mean, I feel like I'm a completely different person 
in in good and bad ways like it's not worse because I'm not drinking but I was super social back then and just like way more outgoing you know that also was happening because because I was drinking I was a part of the group in like I never felt closer to my the people in my program than when I was in third year drinking because that's what everyone did you would study during the day study your ass off and then you'd go drink your ass off at night and I was super close to everyone I had so many friends but it really heavily circulated around drinking. And so I think that if I hadn't been drinking, I wouldn't have been close with those people. I wouldn't have been as close with those people. Like, for example, when I started dating Ty and I stopped going to parties, I really, those connections really fell through. So I have less friends now. Um, I'm way more introverted. And because of my IBS, I'm way more hesitant to go out and do big crazy adventures like I used to. So I'm just kind of trying to work on that and build myself back up to going out a lot and being comfortable out a lot. But right now my life is looks very mellow, like I'm at home a lot. You know, I'm doing some photography part-time and I'm working from home and I'm way more comfortable. Ty and I have just been waiting out this pandemic together and we've never been stronger we make good food and we have movie nights and I have a couple of really close amazing friends which is really all that I need just a handful of really amazing people in my life instead of trying to keep up with 50 people just because we're all getting drunk together so my life looks very different but this is so much more of a healthy way to live I definitely learned my lesson (laughs) I got schooled (laughs) Yeah, wow, no kidding. I just wonder, I mean, yeah, everybody's body is completely different. It's just interesting that that wasn't the case for most people when they started drinking. It's just so weird. That's the thing. It's like, I wonder about people who who don't drink for a year, who drink over the course of a lifetime. Like, what is that what is that doing to your insides? And I think that because I was on so many rounds of antibiotics and... I've always just had a more sensitive stomach too. Used to have a lot of anxiety as a kid as well, and I'd get stomach aches literally all the time. So I think I'm more like prone to that type of thing. And other people have more iron stomachs as they say. But yeah, I wonder about people where their symptoms aren't really manifesting, but the insides can't look too good if they've been drinking for 40 years, you know? Um, well, for me, So, like I said, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I had Mike's Hard Lemonades in grad year, and I smoked weed, like, twice in grad year. I think Kevin's laughing at me right now. And both times, I had severe regrets because, I don't know, going through school high school I just always assumed it would be something I did I just never questioned it like I just thought it's something everybody did despite me having addiction rampant in my family like I said my mom's addicted to drugs she dealt with alcohol problems drug problems yet I still thought that you know once I reach a certain age I'll drink and I'll do drugs and everything will be fine and I think a part of me also wanted to do it because I wanted to prove myself that I wouldn't get addicted like so many others in my family had and then when I did try it I had a lot of guilt and I'm sure that's just due to like trauma and whatnot I also just didn't enjoy it I mean I don't, honestly don't even think I was drunk with the two coolers I had even when I smoked weed I didn't I didn't like the feeling at all it made me feel more anxious after I did that I just decided I'm not ever gonna do this why do I feel the need to do it because everybody else does it so I just made a choice to not ever do it so basically addiction runs through my whole family like there has been generations of alcohol abuse and whatnot which is why I believe my mom ended up having a very bad drug problem my parents divorced when I was five my dad's awesome my dad you know he drinks but he never never ever got out of control he is honestly the best dad ever I think shit would have been a lot worse if he wasn't around so my parents divorced when I was five and that was that had nothing to do with any of like how I perceive life today their divorce never faced me at all like so many parents get divorced it's really not a big deal (laughs) I think it's probably the better thing to do in a lot of cases me and my sister my little sister were back and forth between my parents and then when I was I don't remember 10 or 11 my mom 
moved in with my grandparents, like her parents. Therefore, me and my little sister moved in with my grandparents. And that's when things got noticeably bad. I remember the day like it was yesterday. I can see it in my head. I was at my best friend. I think I was in grade four or five. My best friend's house. We just had a sleepover. I was waiting for my mom to come pick me up. I remember looking out the window of my best friend's apartment and I saw my mom parked in the parking lot waiting to come get me and she had these big sunglasses on and it was cloudy out. And I was like, what's wrong with her? Like, she seems off. Like, something seems wrong. I left that morning. Like, I left my friend's house. We went back to my grandparents. She was like, oh, I have to talk to you and Abby. And so she brings us to her bedroom and she says, I have to go away for a little while. I'm very sick. I don't know how long I'll be gone for. Maybe a few months. We don't know. And naturally, me and my sister just burst out crying because we're like, where's our mom going? It was definitely a blindside. And I specifically remember, like, I had to go to school. My mom was leaving the next morning. I had to go to school the next day, too. And, like, they just drop that bomb on us. I was so confused and sad and I just had to go to school and act like nothing happened. I didn't know why she was sick. I didn't know what was wrong with her. But of course, looking back on it, when we moved into my grandparents, you know, my mom would spend all day in bed. I'd go into her room to play on her computer and she wouldn't like me making too much noise and she'd always have the blinds down. And then me and Abby would go to bed. We would hear her leave in the middle of the night to go do drugs or whatever. I don't know to this day, you know, you don't know the exact details. I remember her like being a, uh, me and my sister pretty much just live with my grandparents the whole time and we would go see my dad on the weekends. I think my mom went away the exact year that we learned about D.A.R.E., which was kind of ironic because I remember sitting in the classroom and thinking, I think my mom's doing some of this stuff. And they're like preaching about how bad it is and how you cannot do it because you'll turn into this monster. And I remember just sitting there, little grade five Mandy and thinking, oh my God, like nobody can know because what will everybody think of me? I would have friends over or sleepovers or birthday parties. And it'd be so weird for some of my friends because, you know, last year my mom was there and now this year and the next few years, she's just not. And I'm having my birthday party with my grandparents. People are going to wonder like, where's your mom? I'd just be like, oh, she's away or something. Like I never really had an explanation because I was a kid and I was like, I don't fucking know either. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't fully grasp or understand it. So then once we got a bit older, we kind of got a better idea of what she dealt with. I believe my mom's main thing is crystal meth, although I'm sure she's done it all. Me and my sister would go to like AA meetings and NA meetings and just see what it was like and get a better understanding of it. And we'd visit her at her rehab centers. So that helped us kind of grasp what was going on, but it was always still so weird. I always kind of dreaded like having to explain it to friends or like I never explained it. That's the thing. I just kind of had to lie because I didn't want people to judge me. And that's the thing. People did judge me when I got to middle school. I'll never forget this. I had this best friend. We did everything together. She came over like every day after school. At this point, my mom had been in rehab for a few years and she was better and she was able to move back home and get an apartment for me and my sister to live with her again after like four years. So my friend would come over every day. We had many sleepovers and... One time, we stayed up all night, as one does at a sleepover, so we were very tired the next day, and my friend goes home to her parents, and her parents see that she's so tired, and my friend had also got her period that day, and her parents start freaking out, and they say, why are you so tired? And she says, we were up all night, what do you mean? And they say, did did, did she give you anything? She said, well, yes, she gave me a painkiller because I had my period, like an ibuprofen. You know, my friend called me crying and said, I'm not allowed to hang out with you ever again. That was just like really rough. And we eventually patched things over because I think, you know, that's her parents' problem, not my parents' problem. You know, looking back, even when I was a little kid, I think a lot of people, a lot of parents knew more about my life than I did friends wouldn't be allowed to hang out with me and I wouldn't know why and now looking back on it like I kind of know why it's because their parents were assholes (laughs) definitely got a better grasp on it towards middle school and high school but after a while my mom 
You don't have to. No, I want to. Um, so we were living in this apartment for a while and it was really nice. Um, but I could tell my mom was going downhill again. She started sleeping in again and sleeping all day. She started being really paranoid. So at that point, my mom still hadn't looked for help. Like we were still living with her and I remember Abby and I would be late for the bus stop and we would miss the bus and she would just be like, no, I'm not taking you to school. I want to stay in bed. So we would have to phone our dad and he'd have to come and get us like way out of the way and be late for work because she just could not get out of bed. So then we actually ended up finding a place with my dad lived in the basement suite and my mom and my sister and I lived upstairs and this is when my mom got really bad like you could tell she was I mean she was always bad this whole time now looking back on it but she was staying up all night and just being really weird and eventually she went and got help again when I was like 16 and she was gone for a while and this time she was kind of at the point of no return like she did go to a place to get help but I don't think it helped her at all I think you know she made friends with more people who had the same problems and it just led her to just get even deeper into it she was only there for like a year and she was gonna come back I think because we knew that it wasn't helping her and she phoned me from the place and she asked me and my sister if we wanted her to come live with us me and my sister and my dad had talked about it previously and we were like no like it's just we were just thinking it's too stressful and that sucks to say something like that about your mom but I remember she called from the rehab place she called me and my sister and I was like 17 and I had to say to my mom no I don't want you to come live back here that sucked because she's my mom and like we're supposed to be this at least from what I see, like, they're inseparable and your moms are always there for you. And we knew we didn't want to deal with that. We weren't saying we didn't want to see her. We were just saying we didn't want to live with her. So we lived with my dad after that. And that was nice. And that was the longest house we'd ever stayed in as kids because, you know, my dad was just able to take care of us. And he was always really lenient and didn't really have any strict rules or anything. Yeah, once my mom came back from that place, we did see her once in a while but she definitely got to this place of no return. You know, we would see her sometimes. It just gets harder and harder to deal with them the more they get into it because she's hard to be around because she's high all the time. And so she's like really talking really crazy and talking a million miles a minute and and not really listening to you and asking you for things like she would always ask me to drive her because she didn't have a car because you know she'd always never have a car or never have a cell phone or be getting kicked out of the place she lived in because of drugs so I basically couldn't handle it anymore. There are lots of amazing moments with my mom, like when she was around and when she was doing better for that small amount of time, that's when our relationship healed a lot. But it's hard now as an adult because you look back at even the good moments and think, was she high the whole time? Like what was really happening? You just question everything. So it got to the point where I couldn't really handle it anymore. I just eventually told her like, I can't deal with this unless you get help. I was telling her that, but I know she wouldn't. I don't think she ever will. She's not going to get help at this point. It's hard to think about that. And it's hard to let someone go when you know they're not going to get help because what can happen if they don't? And they're gone and you have this no relationship pretty much. And will I regret that? I don't know. But I know that my life in a lot less stressful because I've chosen after 21 years to not have her in my life right now. I know my mom loves me and I know she always meant well, but like that's the thing. That's why drug addiction is a disease. Like it doesn't wait for nobody. It just does whatever it wants and I just feel like that's best. It's what I had to do and I think people listening might think that's kind of an asshole thing to do and it sucks because you see all these TED talks and all these articles about 
all a person who's addicted to drugs needs is somebody who loves them. They need love and they need somebody to be there for them. But nobody understands how fucking hard it is. So this is just me choosing what's best for me. And it sucks because, yeah, I'm getting married and I have to think, like, is my mom not going to be there? And it's just like, now I have to be forced to make all these uncomfortable decisions because of what my mom is going through and I don't want to say you know what my mom has chosen to go through because nobody would nobody would choose to be addicted to drugs like it's really not that easy to stop taking drugs once you're taking them so that's why I don't drink or do drugs (laughs) because I just have very horrible memories of people in my life being intoxicated and it affects me and who I am to this day I think and I just have such a bad taste in my mouth when I see people who are under the influence and I think it just triggers me because I saw my mom in those instances so many times and so many times she did things that made me really unhappy or angry or upset and I just do not ever want to be that person and Obviously, I think most of us know that drug addiction is hereditary or addictive personalities are hereditary. Um, So there's a good chance I could have inherited that and I just didn't want to take that chance. And I don't want to be that person for my kids, for anybody. That's the thing. I think especially in my specific situation, I know people who have siblings who are addicts or children who are addicts, but I think my specific situation with it being a parent, I think I have so much anger and resentment from it that I think it can often come off as like, I'm judging people for it. And I hope I don't come off that way. Like, that's the thing too. I think the people who are judgy about it, they don't really understand that Like I said, you see someone on the street, that could be somebody's mom, somebody's kid, somebody's brother. It could be your friend's brother. I think you just have to keep that in mind before you go and comment some rude thing about quote-unquote junkies on the Facebook page. And I think a lot of people might be surprised to hear that that's like what I dealt with because I think a lot of people have this idea that, oh, if if your mom's addicted to drugs you must like be houseless or live in a trailer park or had a really extremely traumatic childhood and besides the situation with my mom like I had a really loving family no one in my life has ever been abusive or mean towards me it can affect anybody just don't be a fucking asshole (laughs) I mean yeah at the end of the day it is like a human life no matter what like even if they have no one left on the planet who's related to them it's still a valid human life you know we were just talking about going and voting and how you should vote as if you didn't know who you would be born as we're just in this such a heavy individualist society where nobody cares about anyone else It's like your family or bust. Everyone's like fending for themselves. Nobody cares about other people. And people are so quick to just say horrible things that are very like, it's like you're so willing to just dispose of other human beings because of your tax dollars or some other bullshit. That's what like we're all about. It's just about trying to retrain your thinking to extend compassion to other living beings on the planet because you don't have to work or be sober or anything or be clean to deserve compassion. It's just really disheartening. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how many people share the same experiences. You know, 90% of people know someone, so we gotta, I guess, stick up for that. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, like I was saying, going through school, I felt really lonely and like every other family was perfect and I was the only one like going through this. And I'm sure that wasn't the case at all. Like all the other kids just that were going through that probably just felt that way too. And that's just because people find it so hard to talk about. I just think we need to be more honest about it. 
and I'm doing okay too you know what I mean like normally I have a very good time good time not a good time an easy time talking about this because I've just learned that I need to talk about it more and the people that I do choose to tell normally are people that I can trust but I think I just got emotional because this is like a public platform but I think you know a big reaction that me and my sister get when we tell people about what we've been through is like oh I'm so sorry or people will feel so bad for you or oh you're so resilient and it's like this has kind of just been our life like since we were kids like this is kind of all we've known and we don't really know any better and that might be also sad to some people it's just life and it's just what we've dealt with and so many other people are dealing with it too and I hope that they are also doing okay <laughs> any hoosies thank you everybody for listening today I really appreciate you all creating a space safe where I feel safe enough to even talk about all of this so thank you very much yeah thank you for sharing with us and being open and we're really really excited about how everything is growing right now and everyone's just being so responsive and so open when we ask for feedback and for experiences and that's what we thrive on is we don't just want to talk about ourselves because we're such a small part of everything we want to talk about what everyone as a whole is experiencing thank you so much (laughs) we love you guys don't forget we have a patreon if you want to contribute five dollars a month we'll leave the link in the description please go follow our instagram please go leave a review on apple Podcasts, and we hope you have an amazing week bye